0: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio.
1: This is Unsportsmanlike with Evan Candy and Michelle coming to you live from the Seaport, brought to you by Grey Goose. Yeah, wonderful. I'm glad we're playing highlights from Chad Ryland missed field goal for New England to lose to the Giants in a must-lose game. Wait, so the Pats, based on our analysis, won, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, you're you yeah, bumped up won. to
2: fifteen percent to get the number one pick. Mm. Isn't that what you wanted?
1: No, I was rooting for them to win. I got to be honest with you. I was, unlike Nuno and uh, our producer and Canty, who openly rooting. So you're the rooting, Giants. but hold
3: on. You're saying you're rooting for them to win. Like uh, my question to you would be: Win what? <laughs> what are you winning by beating the Giants, who were three and eight going into yesterday's game? What are you winning?
1: Yeah, nothing. Yeah, no, I,
3: that's my point. I, so why are you rooting for them to win?
1: Because it's impossible for me as a fan, front mirror, it's impossible <laughs> for me as a fan to sit there and watch a game and hope my team screws up on purpose, which they screw up anyway. But it, I'm sorry. Like, it's hard for me to do that. I just – I don't have the opportunity to do that. Or, I don't have the opportunity to do that. I don't have the ability to do that. And I understand that I probably should, and what the end result yesterday is good long-term, but I just – I can't do that. Like, I don't know. I'm, like, looking around the league right now. So, teams that we would look at and say they're out of it, right? So, the Titans fan has a bad day yesterday because they won, I guess. The mm-hmm. The Bucks fan, I guess, is saying, hey, we had a good day. We were competitive but lost, closer to a younger quarterback. Cincinnati fans, you want them to now root against their team, I guess, because they don't have Joe Burrow. They're not going to the playoffs. They're better off higher up in the draft. The Cardinals fans, we know, are rooting against them already right i mean Vegas. i think they were rooting
3: against them before the season exactly exactly
1: (laughs) like hey this dobbs guy was too good get him to minnesota i mean raiders fans they're reportedly going to release their cornerback marcus peters today because he got benched yesterday and there's already stuff with him like they're five and seven the antonio pierce stuff has been great they're
3: trying to win games though the raiders are trying to win games. okay
1: so they shouldn't do that and like you know the teams around the Bears fans are definitely going to root against their team tonight in Monday Night Football on ESPN against sure. the Vikings. I and don't
3: think they have to root hard. They're probably going to lose that game.
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's hard to do that. I understand you're right about everything you're saying. It is much better for any of these teams to get, that don't have quarterbacks to get closer to Drake, May, North Carolina, Caleb Williams, USC, right, than to to have whatever they have now, than to win six or seven games. You're right about that. It's just hard in the moment to actually do that. Patriots fans, of course, are not used to that. Their head coach, Bill Belichick, was on the Greg Hill Show today on WEEI in Boston and was asked on whether or not uh, he was 100% behind the decision to draft Mac Jones.
0: A few weeks ago, That uh, you know, being a head coach and uh, essentially uh, handling everything personnel-wise, that's a, that's a couple jobs. When it comes to Mac Jones and that
1: pick, were you 100% sold on that, or was that – Uh, something that
0: Robert Kraft pushed you toward.
4: Yeah, well, organizationally, we thought it was the right thing to do.
1: Mm, Okay, all right, there's uh, part one. Uh, Part two, and the report out there that he has already found his next destination past New England.
2: Bill, there have been a lot of headlines surrounding your future with the organization, and even some national media members, Dan Orlovsky being one of them, saying that you already have another destination set in place for next season. Do you have any comments on that? I'm, I'm sure it's it's annoying to hear your name in headlines when it comes to you specific while you're focused on this
0: team.
4: Yeah, that's ridiculous.
0: Can you ever imagine yourself coaching anywhere else?
4: I'm just trying to do the best job I can right now. Obviously I need to do better.
1: You know what's amazing about this? Mm. This is the first time he's had this question in 25 years. Think about all of the questions we all ask players and coaches. And how CC, you probably were asked the same question a hundred times a day, basically. Oh, yeah. That man, I don't believe, has ever been asked that question while he was employed by the New England Patriots.
2: He never had to be asked that right. question.
1: They went to nine Super Bowls
3: <laughs> and he's won six of them. Of course he's not gonna ask that question. He just clinched his fourth losing season in a quarter century of coaching the team, right? That's a whole lot of winning they've been doing, dog. So, yeah, he's not going to be asked the question about job security, but the fact that they've had losing records three in the last four years, the, la- the fact that it has been five years since they've won a playoff game, and the fact that he is the second oldest coach in the National Football League, if you're going to do a hard reset and you're going to go about the process of a multi-year rebuild, you have to wonder whether or not Bill Belichick is going to be long for that kind of task and I don't think he is which is why Robert Kraft is probably going to move on.
2: Yeah, I know this is a tough place for you to be at Evan, but I do think it's the end of the road. And
3: Although we got <laughs> yes. to the end of the road. Sing it. Still my boy can't let go. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's unnatural. It's done. Bill belongs to E. He does. E belongs to Bill.
1: Girl. Oh. <laughs> I want to tell you, Bill, I've been here with you for a long time. <laughs> I know what you've done for us. Me, the front runner that joined us they start end, winning.
3: To
2: the end. Yeah.
1: And I know how much you mean to this organization. <laughs> and other, other people wouldn't give you another shot. But I will. This isn't the end of the road.
3: (laughs) It's the end of the road. It is. It's over, Ev. It's over. You can let it go. It's over. It's over. And it's okay for it to be over. Good things come to an end. It's okay for it to be over. The Patriots are better off moving away from Bill Belichick. Not to say that Belichick still can't coach. Not to say that Belichick still doesn't know pro talent. But it's just not working. The message is falling on deaf ears, and it shows in the fact that this team is so non-competitive. They've only got one game this year. Think about this. One game this year where the Patriots haven't turned the ball over. Think about that. Who's their quarterback, Josh Allen or something? Uh, it's, it's only one game where they haven't had a turnover. It's an embarrassment, and it's a brand of football that you don't even recognize which is why you can't have any confidence that things are going to get better into the future. But this this recent trend, the trajectory of the program, is not in the right direction. And if you take Robert Kraft at his word, everything he said leading up to this season, it became clear and obvious he's not inclined to let Bill Belichick chase after the individual accolades and Don Shula's all-time wins record. They needed to do winning. They needed to get into the playoffs. Not my words, the owner's words. And the fact that they've fallen so far short of that marker is why I got to believe that there will be a quote-unquote mutual parting of ways this offseason. I don't think he'll get fired. I don't think he'll be traded. They'll walk away from each other. Belichick will be free to sign as a head coach with another team if he so chooses. But he's not going to be wearing a headset on the sideline for the Patriots in 2024.
2: And I wonder if he's going to be wearing the headset elsewhere. We've heard these reports that perhaps he knows his future post-New England. He said, what did he say? Wow, that's ridiculous. It was like three words, basically, was his response disputing that. But I imagine if Robert Kraft and the New England Patriots don't want to allow him to chase those individual accolades, that there will be a franchise in the NFL that will allow him to do that. I don't really understand why because I don't really see – any component right now in the New England Patriots that I would feel confident in giving Bill Belichick the reins over at this stage in his career, knowing that it might be a rebuild or it might be a situation where he wants more power than I'm willing to give him because of his resume. But guys, I have to think that somebody's going to employ him if he if he oh, does yeah. want to go after the record, which he's so close. I can't see him walking away.
1: So. I am unbelievably supportive of Belichick. I think he's the greatest football coach ever. Tom Brady and I both agree on that. I will tell you one thing that I have to be fair and have to be critical of, and I want to go back to maybe one of the greatest offensive game plans I've ever seen, and it was on December 6th of, I believe, 2021. The New England Patriots played the Buffalo Bills on ESPN on Monday Night Football. The New England Patriots ran the ball 46 times in that game. They had 49 total (laughs) offensive plays. Mac Jones threw the ball three times. I am dead serious when I am saying this. I actually think at this point it is inexcusable for the New England Patriots in an NFL football game to throw the ball. I do not think they should ever throw the ball. They do not have a quarterback that is competent to throw the football. They have two not good running backs, great running backs. Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott are both great football players. Where I'm going to be critical of the Patriots, and Belichick specifically, if you're actually trying to win football games – Throwing the ball is not justifiable at all. And I mean, I'm serious. Zero pass attempts is what I would do against the L.A. Chargers this week. I would not allow my quarterback to throw the football because they don't complete passes anyway. And when they do, they're to the other team. They are incompetent as pass catchers and as pass throwers. Put three tight ends in there. Put both running backs in. Zero pass attempts this week. I am dead serious. CC's laughing. I get it. It's twenty twenty-three in the NFL. I'm being serious. I want zero pass attempts for the New England Patriots this week. Wow. Uh, I mean
3: Am I wrong? Sure, you're not you're not wrong. They're not going to win anyway. What's the difference? Listen, Mac, Mac Jones is awful, and Happy right? Hour is no better. So, no, you're not wrong. But I mean, I don't think you can win games uh, under normal conditions if your quarterback doesn't throw the football. Like the reason why you got away with only throwing the ball three times against the Buffalo Bills was because it was a freaking windstorm up there. That's the only reason why they couldn't throw the ball either. But in today's NFL, if the other team can throw the ball and you can't. You're at a huge competitive disadvantage. So, I mean, you're going to throw the ball. It's just unfortunate that the quarterbacks that you have on your team are going to throw the ball to the other team pretty regularly. So, it's over for the Patriots. I don't think there's any way of salvaging this season, any way of them being competitive down the stretch. I don't think they're going to win another game. That's how bad the Pats are right now. I don't think they're going to win another game. Their best chance is week 18 against the Jets. And I would say this I'll take the Jets quarterbacks over with what the Patriots are bringing to the party. Uh-huh. Now, the sad part about it is the guy that's playing quarterback for you was the handpicked successor for Tom Brady once Belichick ran TB12 out of town. Like that, that, that that's the dude. You ran Tom Brady out of town. You had a gap year with Cam Newton where you went 7 and 9. And you couldn't wait to draft a quarterback, and you drafted Mac Jones. and three, not even three full seasons into it, we already know that Mac Jones ain't gonna be the future. Hell, he ain't even gonna be the quarterback next year. Like that's the state of affairs with Bill Belichick's program, which is why you need to scrap it and go in a completely new different direction. Go scorched earth, burn it all to the well, not even burn it all to the ground because it's already burning to the ground. Just let it continue to burn to the ground. Move on from him. Start fresh this coming off season.
1: I wish the trade deadline hadn't passed, so we could just fast forward for the Mac Jones to San Francisco for a, a seventh round pick in twenty twenty six. Let's just get that over with. Let's just get it done with. He'll be he'll be Trey Lance's backup. Enough. Like, let's just get it over with. Done. I'm dead serious. I'm going to continue to reiter- reiterate this. Zero pass attempts would be my goal. What, what if
3: Belichick went to the Buffalo Bills, though? I mean, how spicy would that be? I,
1: I know I'm doing a whole lot of hypotheticals with a lot of
3: in-division, in-conference rivalries, but that would be awfully spicy. If you get rid of Sean McDermott and hire Bill Belichick, just as your head coach, not your GM, I, I mean, I'm just... Do you feel differently about Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills?
1: Yeah, because that's, I think I do. that's the spot you bring Josh McDaniels with you, and Josh McDaniels with Josh Allen actually makes a lot of sense. Because if you loved Brian Dayball with him, Josh McDaniels is a little bit better version of Brian Dayball calling yeah, place. So agreed. just saying. Coming up, we know the Iron Bowl's done, the game is done, college football playoff just about to begin. We will get to that coming up. It's on like on ESPN Radio.
4: Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com. Passion, drive, and patience.
3: The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive
1: We are on Sportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPNU, along with and Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen. I do want to point out behind the scenes, I was Learfield, by the way, uh, with the call of Michigan-Ohio State. Behind the scenes, I um, during the last break for us, I had to sit here being serenaded by one Chris Canty to Boys to Men, End of the Road, but the words substituted for all the pa- the Patriots remix of End of the Road. Is well, what- you've
3: never <laughs> been here before, it's so Ev. Bad. It's your first time when your franchise is in quarterback hell. It's it's your first time where you've been drowned in mediocrity. This is your first time, and so yeah. I, I, I felt like the song <laughs> really. Really evoke the the emotions and the state of affairs of Patriots fandom. Wonderful, that's why I wanted to put it out there for you. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. Just a, just a coping mechanism. So you know, that's what that's what good teammates do. I
2: really do have a question. It was a, a great teammate move by UCC, But I really do have a question: If Bill Belichick. And the Patriots part ways. Let's say this is the end of the road for him. He mm-hmm. decides to hang up the hoodie. He's done coaching. Are you still sticking with the pants? Are you jumping on the Eagles bandwagon? What's gonna happen no, with that's, front runner <laughs> fandom here? I really that's, wanna know.
1: It's a very good question. I think here's the thing. Do I prove that I'm not a front runner by watching every game this year? Like aren't I kind of still in on them?
2: No, but you're there because of Belichick.
1: Yeah. So the question is, do I go with Belichick if he goes somewhere else?
2: No, I mean, once he's done, once he's like, I'm taking the boat and I'm cruising No, I think the I, No,
1: I think I go with the, I think I stay with the Patriots. The only thing that would throw me for a little bit of a loop is if he ever went to the Giants. That's the only one that I'm like, ah, I, that one would be tempting, I think, mm. the concept of him going to the Giants. But I don't think that's happening. All right, anyway, so Michigan beats Ohio State, as we know, third straight time. Mm-hmm. Uh, CC and others are calling for Ryan Day to not be the coach at Ohio State anymore. I love the one that CC has thrown out there. Sharon Moore, the Michigan interim coach, just go get him because he has proven he could win that game unlike Ryan Day. Um, mm-hmm. And now we're looking at the college football playoff, and the the bracket or the rankings obviously comes out uh, tomorrow night. so, uh, by my count, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, on this. By my count, I think seven teams still have a shot to be in the Final Four. Georgia, obviously, SEC title game against Bama. Mm-hmm. Michigan, obviously, Big Ten title game against Iowa. Washington, undefeated, Pac-12 championship Friday night, ESPN Radio, I'll have it against Oregon. I still have FSU. They're undefeated, obviously, without Jordan Travis. They have the ACC title game against Louisville. Louisville lost to Kentucky, bad loss for them uh, coming up on Saturday. Oregon, as I mentioned, also against Washington at a 10-1. I have Texas at 10-1, and one. they have Oklahoma State in Big 12 title game, and Alabama at 11-1 and one against Georgia. That's kind of the seven teams. I don't have Ohio State in there. Maybe I'm wrong to potentially not have them in there. I believe the TV show's big, like the best case scenario for the TV show, which I don't think this can happen, would be Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and Texas. That, that four will not happen, obviously, because Washington and Oregon play each other. But by my count, CeCe, I have seven teams still alive here, some more than others there's obviously
3: yeah I'm with you on that one I think that's the right seven and that's probably the best teams in the country um now just selfishly I, I know that we're talking about Alabama potentially being eliminated from being a top four team if they lose in the conference championship game to Georgia I don't think there's any 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 harm or let me not say it that way I don't think there's any shame in losing to Georgia because they are one of the two best teams in the country and maybe they're not too but I will say that Alabama, to me, over the second half of this season, has put together a compelling case to be a top four team in the country. like like to me, if Alabama and Washington were to hook up on a neutral side, I would think that Alabama would be favored with the way that they've been playing. So I just i I, I look at the scenario and, and it feels like Alabama, a team that that's probably one of the four or five best teams in the country won't really have a chance to be in the college football playoff unless they pull off a massive upset
1: against Georgia. So let me ask a follow-up on that because this is an interesting place now. So if Alabama is as good as we all now know they are, Mm -hmm. theoretically a close loss by Georgia to Alabama is not a bad loss. Do we think Georgia is in no matter what regardless of result this weekend? Yes. I think
3: so. Georgia's in no matter what.
1: Okay. So Georgia's in no matter what. Michigan not in no matter what, right? If Michigan loses to Iowa, we're probably not putting them in, right? No, they're not in. Okay. Washington, Oregon winner is in, right? In. Yes. In is FSU sure. in with a win no matter what, or we need to see what else happens?
2: I think we need to s- to see the context I th- I of the win, right?
3: I think I think they're in no matter what, Smalls. I mean, they are. And I don't believe to- in Tate Rodemaker, <laughs> but... I think they're in no matter what. Uh, I mean, I I do because I mean you're talking about them losing to what a a, Louis, a Louisville team that would potentially be in a situation where they they're another top ten team when it comes to the college football playoff ranking. So I mean, it's it's like if they lost this game, I I just I think they would fall out of it. But I think if Florida State wins this game, they're going to be in the college football playoff no matter what, and that's going to be against a quality opponent.
1: So then let's play it out this way. Let's play out. Favorites win, right? So Georgia wins, Michigan wins, Washington wins, FSU wins, Texas wins. Top four then is Georgia, Michigan, Washington, FSU, the four undefeated teams, Texas on the outside looking in, correct? Correct. Okay. Now let's make one adjustment. Let's say Alabama beats Georgia. Okay. So So everything else is the same. Michigan beats Iowa, Washington beats Oregon, FSU beats Louisville. Texas beats Oklahoma State. Remember, Texas beat Alabama this year.
2: That's, but that's a, what the committee may view as a quality loss, right? right?
1: So, Michigan is definitely in. Washington is definitely in. Per CC, Georgia is definitely in. Georgia is definitely in. And Alabama's in. Then, in that scenario, over an undefeated FSU team. Yes. So FSU outside looking in as an undefeated team. Yeah.
2: I would want that to happen. I think Alabama is certainly deserving of a spot. If I could procure my my dream playoff scenario alabama's in yeah but i don't know how if you were the committee you can just completely disregard an undefeated florida state team now, even though it's a it might be a more juicy or compelling television matchup or game i just don't know how you just take florida state off the board
1: okay let me ask you but where's uh, the
3: where's the win, where's the win but in your that's a great point smalls but where's the win that florida state has that's comparable to the win that alabama would have over georgia
2: that's the counter yeah, It would be up for a great debate.
3: But here's the thing, I, I, and, and, and I know Michigan fans would love to have a high seed in the college football playoff, but if you have a high seed and you've got to face either Georgia or Alabama, whoever ends up in that fourth spot – That is the worst luck that you could possibly ask for. (laughs) The worst.
1: CeCe, let me just ask one other follow-up on that because this will be interesting as to where you go in terms of how you look at this. Play out that exact same scenario, right? So Michigan wins and Washington wins, FSU wins, and let's say Alabama over Georgia. And then you have um, Alabama and Georgia as possibilities out of the SEC. But let's play out that Jordan Travis is not hurt. Is FSU in?
3: Yeah, I think it matters. I mean, here's the thing. It's not just about what the record is and the strength of schedule, right? The eye test matters. If it was just about those other two things, then we would have computers picking the four teams for the college football playoffs. But we actually have a committee of two dozen people. And the reason why they get together in that room in Grapevine, Texas, is because they want to find the best four teams in the country. And with Jordan Travis, there is no doubt in my mind that Florida State is a better football team than with Tate Rodebaker. There's no other there's, – there's no way – there's no way not to view it as, as such. So, uh, I guess the point is that if, if Jordan Travis is healthy, then I think it's more compelling to have an undefeated Florida State team in the playoff, even though their schedule is light in comparison to the other teams that get consideration. Agreed.
2: But they also can't be – penalized because of an injury that they have no control over and they can only beat who is on their schedule they do have a win over LSU they would have a win over Louisville two top 10 programs I know that that might not be as sexy as some of the other wins that teams in the playoff conversation would have but if they win out they've overcome a lot Uh, to not have Jordan Travis there is overcoming a circumstance which certainly makes them worthy in my eyes
1: so in your mind then FSU should be in with a win
2: I don't know how you you don't include them, even though I don't think it might be the best team top to bottom to put in the playoff. I just, from an argument standpoint, I don't know how you leave
3: Okay, it. so if you're going to do here's th- the thing, though. Yeah. Alabama has a win over that same LSU team. They also got a win over Ole Miss. They also got a win over Tennessee, and they would have a win over the number one team in the playoff and in the rankings in Georgia. Like, like,
1: like, I'm with like, you. I, like, like to this me, is why
2: we need an expanded playoff. <laughs> well, yeah, that, there you go, Smalls. This is why there we you need to go. add more teams to the or, playoff.
1: Or less, because then you just have Michigan. Oh, no, well, you still have three undefeated teams. So then then go this way. All right, That is the worst-case
3: scenario for Michigan. The worst-case scenario for Michigan. Is what, like, to have go, to they, face they, the SEC team as the but, four. Twi- you, but you'd have to play them twice. Like if, Think about it. If, if Alabama wins, then Michigan and Washington will probably slide up to one and two and then you'll have some combination of Georgia and Alabama at three and four. So think about it. Georgia or Alabama would play Washington, and then Alabama or Georgia would play Michigan. Like, so even if Michigan won the semifinal, they would probably have another SEC juggernaut waiting for them in the national championship game.
1: Good luck with that. So very quickly here, let's say Smalls is right, and let's say they have to keep FSU in, right? Undefeated FSU, undefeated Washington, undefeated Michigan. Those three are in. And let's say Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC title game. You can only take one of them. Are you taking Alabama or Georgia? Think about that. I'll get your answer coming up. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens?
0: We are on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive
1: Insurance here on ESPN Radio, along with Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen. With you, we're going to get to our Monday Night Football preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance in just a couple of minutes here. But I want to finish off our conversation for now. There's certainly going to be a lot more of this about college football and what happens if. So here's the what happens if scenario. All right? Michigan beats Iowa, Big Ten title game. Washington beats Oregon, Pac-12 title game. I'll give you a here right here on ESPN Radio. FSU beats Louisville. In the ACC title game. But Alabama upsets Georgia. We're going based on Smalls' premise, which may or may not be true, but for the sake of conversation, we're going to play this out, that all the undefeated conference championship teams will get in. Michigan, Washington, Florida State, which would leave one spot for the best conference in America, the SEC. Who do you take, Georgia or Alabama, NYCC?
3: Ooh, I think I'd have to go with Georgia. I mean, just the way that Carson Beck has been playing lately, I, I just I feel like I trust Georgia. And having a little bit of that championship DNA matters, um, having some of those same guys in that locker room that won it a year, a year before, I, I just think that plays a factor into getting into that spot and knowing how to win in those types of games. So I would take Georgia.
2: Oh, this is so difficult because – the resumes are comparable. You could make such a sound argument for either one. I really want Alabama in there because the way that this team has grown, especially the play of Jalen Milrow, I think that they're, they would be such a dangerous team in the playoff. But I think a loss to Alabama is a stronger argument than the loss to Texas. So I'd have to put Georgia in.
1: I would go Alabama because I think they're going to have some recency bias there in terms of winning the SEC title game. But Smalls, even hearing the arguments and the pain, all three of us, in trying to pick, does it make you think that they should keep FSU out in this scenario? Because, again, you're keeping one of those two SEC teams and either Nick Saban or Kirby Smart out.
3: Well, the cleanest way is for Louisville to upset Florida State. That'd yes. be the cleanest way, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what the committee is rooting for in the ACC championship game. Louisville, go ahead and let us off the hook, beat Florida State with Tate Rodemaker. And that way we don't have to worry about leaving an undefeated Florida State team, a school in a power five conference that won their conference championship game out of the mix when it comes to the final four in college football competing for a championship.
1: I was just gonna ask you what happens if everybody loses, though. Now if we go the other way for a second, oh, oh my god, here we go. Headache. Okay, here we go
3: the doomsday scenario Cole. by Evan Cohen. Here we go, y'all.
1: Wait, Cece, I need help. Is the doomsday scenario Georgia winning or Alabama winning? Because I almost feel like it's Georgia winning, but I, I guess we could play out Alabama. It's winning. Alabama okay, winning. It's Alabama. winning Okay, it's Alabama winning. It's, it's yeah, because the, do-
3: the doomsday scenario is Alabama winning, because then that means Alabama's in and Georgia's in. So now you have so two Michigan spots loses for the remaining Iowa. five.
1: Yeah. So, well, that means Oregon's in, too, in the doomsday. So that means Georgia's 11 and 1. Michigan loses to Iowa, 11 and 1. Washington, 11 and 1. They'd be out. That's easy. FSU, 11 and 1 with the loss to Louisville. Oregon coming off a win against Washington, avenging their only loss, 11 and 1. They're definitely in. Texas would be out in that scenario because they'd be 10 and 2, and Alabama would be in. So we'd have Alabama, Georgia, and Oregon for sure. And who would the fourth team be? Probably Michigan? Probably Michigan. Yeah, I'd probably <laughs> say Michigan.
2: What, if, you, if you could just have all the control, what's your dream for? Yeah, it's,
1: it's the same. It's what I just said. It's Alabama, Georgia. For? No, it's Alabama, Georgia, uh, Michigan, and Texas would be the four. Because wow. I'm just thinking about the biggest brands for the TV show and the players and the brands and everything like that. So that's what I would do. CeCe? Uh, no logic and reason but you have to use the seven teams I don't I
3: don't know man with the with the up and down quarterback play that Texas is getting I I would say that I would go with Washington I think if we're talking about the best four teams I would say it would be Washington if they win the Pac-12 championship game Michigan Alabama Georgia
1: Washington, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia. That's yeah, my so, same four. Okay. So we just trade out Washington or Texas yeah. between the, the three of us there. Yeah. All right. Time now for the Monday Night Football Preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle RV and boat insurance. Visit progressive.com. And of course, tonight we have the Bears and the Vikings coming off of a week for us, by the way, that has us, what, three and one in our picks against the other ESPN radio Hello. shows? Okay. We're only two games back of Carlin versus Joe right now. Which so is are we awesome. in
3: second place now? We are in
1: we are tied Ooh, for second. Don't look with next- Freddie and Harry. So We're we are tied, tied for second. For second. We're 22-13-2 on the year. But we leapfrogged two. somebody else, though, didn't we? We leapfrogged game, game night. Game night with Q? Yeah. And remember, okay. they always pick games after they happen. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> when you're on at that time, it's like, okay, I'm going to pick the Bears and the Vikings after the Bears and the Vikings is over. I mean, that's not hard of that hard of a pick. Come on, Q.
4: <laughs> Just saying.
1: All right. So, um, CeCe, I know as part of your ESPN bet, Canny's best bet. You have some thoughts for tonight, so we'll uh, we'll give you the floor on that. Oh,
3: yeah, so it's spicy. So I just did a little bit of research during the break, and I realized that 12 of the 13 Monday night matchups went under on the point total. So 12 of the 13 Monday night matchups hit the under on point total. So how could we not get involved with that when it comes to the Bears-Vikings, right? We have to do that. So I'm taking Minnesota. We're laying the three. We're going under total points scored in the game. And we're going to go with the player prop, Josh Dobbs, over 35.5 yards rushing. Now, why would I do that? Well, Josh Dobbs, in two of the three starts that he's had with the Minnesota Vikings, has gone over that number. So we're going to go with Josh Dobbs, over 35.5 yards rushing, uh, the Minnesota Vikings to win by, um, to to cover the number, to cover the spread by three. And then the under on the point total, that's 44.5. And that pays out on a three-leg parlay at plus 574. So it's a little bit of juice to make the Monday Night Football game just a little more interesting with one of the teams being competitive and the other one not so much. This should make it a little fun for everybody to uh, to tune in, put a little coin on it on the ESPN bet.
1: And let me do some show planning on the air if I could. Um, so I am going to suggest that Nuno and Pat and everybody go back to our show on October 7th, as a result of what CC just said is going to happen tonight. Now, what happened on October 7th? Well, nothing happened on October 7th. This is what happened on October 6th. And on October 6th, it was the night where the Chicago Bears beat the Washington Commanders 40-20. to mm-hmm. And after that game, we come in on October 7th, and one Chris Canty said in a powerful, with-his-chest voice, as we say on this show, That's it. I've seen enough. We said, we've seen enough of what, CeCe? I've seen enough of Justin Fields. What do you mean? 15-29, 282, and four touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. Trade him now. His value will never be higher. Yeah. If CeCe's bet is correct tonight, we need to go back to that day. Get the audio because if they keep losing and his value is diminished, we will look back at that October 6th game and that October 7th show as a turning point for where the Bears went wrong this season. So, Nuno, Pat, do your job. That's <laughs> But, But I mean, here's the thing. Right now,
3: as it sits today, the Bears have the first and the fourth pick in the NFL draft. Is there any chance that they would pass on yet another crop of quarterbacks to stay with Justin Fields? They can't. No. There's no shot. There's no shot. There's nothing that Justin Fields can show you that could justify the opportunity cost. Think about it. You could have had C.J. Stroud. You had the number one pick, and you traded it to the Carolina Panthers. You could have had C.J. Stroud. You decided, no, we're going to give Justin Fields another shot. I think everybody was on board with that. One more chance, one more season to see what happens. And we got him a legitimate number one receiver. Well, not much has really changed. You have moments of brilliance, and in between that, not a lot else to hold on to in the way of positive evidence that would support staying with him. So, I don't think you pass on Caleb Williams or Drake May for what Justin Fields could be. The opportunity cost would just be
1: too great. So basically, what we're saying is, go get the real quarterback, not a fake quarterback. Is what we're saying. They need to go get their real long-term quarterback because Justin Fields could be somebody else's real long-term quarterback, but he's not their real. No. long-term No, in, in quarterback.
3: Minnesota, for for the love of God, Minnesota. I know you want to be Minnesota nice all the time. I I, I know you don't want to treat your your division rival, little brother, Chicago Bears, in a in a in a ragtag way. But but take care of your business tonight. Like You you should be firmly entrenched as a wild card and not barely holding on as a wild card. Make sure you go out there and get a win against a team that's really not trying to win. Please, Minnesota, for the love of God.
1: Coming up, we have many nominees for unsportsmanlike moment of the day. These are some of the best I think we've ever had. We will get to that coming up. But it is time for an incredibly important message this holiday season. You want to help save the American Christmas tree farmer? Of course you do, right? You don't want to hurt farmers. You also don't want to hurt the environment. So guess what happens? If you buy a fake Christmas tree, two things happen. The American Christmas tree farmer has less to do. They have less trees to plant. That means there are less jobs available. And if you keep buying the fake ones, it is worse for the environment, not better for the environment. It is worse. Get real and keep it real this holiday season by buying real Christmas trees. For every 10 Christmas trees planted, an acre of land is saved. And that means more jobs from the American farmer, and they are safer for the environment. And they cost less than a third of the price of those fake Christmas trees out there. So let's see. Save money. Save farmers. Save the environment. Why would you say no to that? Buy real Christmas trees at Lowe's or wherever Christmas trees are sold and get more information online plus participate in cool contests at getrealkeepitreal.com.
4: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio.
4: We are Unsportsmanlike
1: here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen with you. Normally at this time, we like to laugh, talk about absolute stupidity, nonsense. We love it all, Right. Well, um, we have breaking news. Tom Palisaro, NFL Network, has reported that the Carolina Panthers have fired head coach Frank Reich their special teams coordinator Chris Tabor is taking over as the interim coach Jim Caldwell former Colts coach moves to special advisor working alongside the offense so Frank Reich in his first season coaching the Carolina Panthers reminder they fired their head coach Matt Rule last year obviously and now they do it again this year they have been awful so far to start the season they are 1-10 they do not have their draft pick that goes to the mm. aforementioned Chicago mm. Bears, mm. which will be number one overall. Bryce Young, nine touchdowns total on, as a passer this season. And Carolina, 11 games in, fires their head coach in his first season. This is the second year in a row in the NFL that we have a first-year coach fired in season before the season ends. Nathaniel Hackett with the Broncos was that coach a year ago. Guys, initial reaction to this breaking news here.
3: Well, it's ugly for the Carolina Panthers. I mean, the whole Bryce Young situation, now you're adding another layer of dysfunction around him while he's continuing to try to develop and live up to being the number one overall pick. And think about all that the franchise gave away in order to acquire him. So there's that. But then also, think about this. In the same cycle where they hired Frank Wright, we saw two other rookie head coaches Go to places around the National Football League with rookie quarterbacks and have those teams in playoff contention. That being the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. So, I mean, like, it's just, all right, maybe, maybe it's on the board that you potentially missed on your quarterback, but it's becoming clear and obvious now that you missed on your head coach when there were head coaches that could, that were there to be had that have shown that they can work with a team that's trying to build around a young signal caller. So it is as bad as you could imagine in Carolina. And there's not a whole lot of opportunity that they have for improvement because, again, they don't own their own first-round draft pick. It belongs to the Chicago Bears.
2: What a mess. <laughs> what a mess. But unfortunately, we felt like this was coming. We knew Frank Wright's seat was incredibly hot. And when the owner is leaving the locker room and he's screaming the F word, you kind of have a feeling that the shoe is going to drop. And I'm not surprised to hear this at all. But if David Tepper was, in fact, the one who wanted Bryce Young, he's not going to blame himself. He's not going to fire himself. So whether or not Frank Reich deserved more of a runway, he wasn't going to get it. Because when Bryce Young isn't living up to the billing that you expected and the guy you passed on in CJ Stroud looks like like he does, like someone that's going to be transformational for the Houston Texans, some the bill comes due for that.
1: October 9th was when Frank Reich made the comments about the owner of the Carolina Panthers, David Tepper, about basically some owners operate with different philosophies. At that moment, we came in that next day and we said he just put himself on the hot seat, that everything you've heard about Tepper is that he does not have patience. He may not be the perfect owner of an NFL team. Mm. And clearly, based on the last two years, he fires Matt Rule. Five games into the season last year. Fires Frank Reich 11 games into the season this year. This is back-to-back years that you have head coaches fired in season by the same team mm. which I don't know that that has ever happened before now that I think about that we'll have to look so he's that never
3: up. so he's never met a coach that he didn't want to fire <laughs>
1: got it basically yes yes you are correct about that but we knew CC that press conference was that moment sometimes you see that we have discussed and we're not speculating necessarily that that Robert Sala of the Jets is going to get fired but we we said after he did the interview with Michael K eight seven ESPN New York you can hear us on 1050 a.m. in New York that when when he said to Michael Kay I plead the fifth we said in that moment if this man gets fired that's the moment where everything changes yeah and we said it about Reich we knew it even in year one we said you can't throw your owner of the owner of the team excuse me under the bus at a press conference
3: yeah well I think Frank Reich is letting everybody in NFL circles know that he wasn't the one responsible for making a call on Bryce Young And that shouldn't be held against him moving forward for future employment opportunities? Maybe just maybe that he saw the writing on the wall and knew that he wasn't long in Carolina and just wanted it to be out there in the ether that it wasn't his call to take Bryce Young. That was an ownership decision. Now, when we look at the Carolina Panthers, who the hell are you going to get to get back on track? So there's that aspect of this story. But then also, now that we've got another coach being fired, who's the next one to fall? I mean, uh, I would Staley think, I would think it's Brandon Staley. Yeah, I would think it has be. to be Brandon Staley.
1: Yeah. Which I don't a, think it has to be him. Which is amazing CC that like oh my god if they lose to the Patriots. The Patriots are now that team that you can't lose to which is just remarkable how things have changed. Let me update this. Adam Schefter has just put out a tweet with a statement from David Tepper. He's the owner of the Carolina Panthers. If you're just tuning in they did fire Frank Reich moments ago. Here's the statement. I met with Coach Reich this morning and informed him that he will not continue as head coach of the Carolina Panthers. I want to thank Frank for his dedication and service and we wish him well effective immediately special teams coordinator Chris Tabor will take over and serve as our interim coach senior assistant Jim Caldwell will be a special advisor to the offensive coordinator Thomas Brown who will take over play calling duties David Tepper, and then he puts the Panthers logo underneath that. So there's the official statement. No longer a report. Now it's a confirmation. Frank Reich fired in season. This is our second head coaching firing of the NFL season to date. Josh McDaniels with the Raiders. The first one, I think CeCe's right. Smalls, if I had to guess, Brandon Staley would be the next. Um, I do wonder, though. I do wonder, I don't just let me preface all this by reckless speculation. Sometimes the teams that you say, "Oh, they never do it that way," at some point do it that way. The
3: Bears.
2: Uh,
1: Bears, Matt Eberflus.
2: I don't know. I don't see them changing the way that they've done things because if that was the case then why wouldn't they have made that decision already? Yeah, I just I think they'll wait till the end of the season because that's inherently Chicago Bears. I think you're right though. Brandon Staley's most likely the next one. We're going to wait for that shoe to drop, but Guys, one thing I can't understand is if you're an owner, why you don't let football people that you think are smart enough and capable enough to employ, do their jobs. When we see owners get really involved in the decision-making of football teams or in teams in general, it doesn't usually work out well. We talk all the time about Jerry Jones being an impediment to the Cowboys, being able to break through in so many ways, a completely different scenario, but Daniel Snyder would always get involved. Now we're hearing reports that David Tepper may be an owner that has his hands in things a lot. If if you buy something, I understand you want to tinker with it. But if you also think that people are smart enough and capable enough at their jobs for you to employ them in this position, maybe let them do it.
1: Also, let me point out one other thing here. As just I'm seeing different notes come across and just thinking about different things. Uh, Frank Reich was also fired in-season last year. By the Colts. And we look at him differently than McDaniels because he's not, even though he was a player and a backup for Jim Kelly and was in Buffalo forever and obviously did a heck of a job as the offensive coordinator with the Eagles when they won a Super Bowl under Doug Peterson, uh, we don't look at him the same way as Josh McDaniels where we don't have this vitriol for him like people do because of the Patriots with Josh McDaniels. Uh, Frank Reich is not a guy that can get another head coaching job in this league. Not when you you have, at least not on purpose, not when you're fired in season two years in a row. I'm just saying let's apply the same heat here that we did towards McDaniels towards Reich but again if you're just tuning in the breaking news on this NFL Monday Frank Reich fired head coach Carolina Panthers after only 11 games with the team obviously all of our coverage of this will continue here on ESPN radio presented by Progressive Insurance Uh, Greeny is coming up next and I'll be in there with Hembo Uh, we are on to Tuesday we are on Sportsmanlike
0: on ESPN radio